Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Today's podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. You know that feeling when you drive down a nice neighborhood and you see that one beautiful lawn perfectly trimmed? What must it feel like to come home to that lawn, knowing the work you've put into it and the pride that comes with that? Well, the same can apply to your body. Keeping yourself properly trimmed and smelling great not only gives you the confidence to step up when you need to, it might surprise and delight your partner. So use Manscaped. Manscaped is the official sponsor of our podcast, and it's number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. The Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so you won't nick or snag your nuts. That's fun to say. And don't use the same trimmer on your nuts that you use on your face because... Let's be honest, that's kind of gross. So right now, you get 20% off with free shipping by using the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's armchair. Always use the right tools for your family jewels. Your balls will thank you. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Preview edition of the Bird Calls. It'll just be myself, David Grubb, and David Fisher, contributor to thebirdrights.com. And we'll be talking to you about the Pelicans' upcoming matchup with the Los Angeles Lakers, their third of the season. Uh, Fish, how are you doing this evening? Doing great. Um, Lundy Gras, and excited to get, hit some parades tomorrow morning. And then once my kids are completely exhausted and asleep, watching the Pelicans game tomorrow night. Um, it's been a, a good start for the Pelicans coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, they've won five out, five out of their last six, 2-0 and oh since the break. Uh, they get road wins at Portland and at Golden State, completing both of those season series. You go 4-0 and oh against Portland for the year, 2-2 two and two against Golden State, a mark that should have been better. Yes, but you still get the last win of the, you know, close that one out with a win. Pelicans top five in uh, offensive rating and defensive rating in there the first two games. What have you liked out of New Orleans uh, to start? I really like what they did in Golden in the Golden State game because they came out flat in the first half, and that's a thing that good teams do sometimes. Good teams against some par, subpar opponents come out flat because they know that at some point later on in the game they can put the, their foot down and win the game. The Pelicans have been on the receiving end of those kind of games, um, most recently against the Clippers, where the Clippers kind of just joked around, not necessarily given 110% effort until the fourth quarter when they turned it on and the Pelicans got to experience what real locked-in playoff basketball was going to be like, and it was painful. So I I was really excited to see that the Pelicans came out of halftime last night. Uh, I guess Zion gave gave the team an earful in the locker room and the starting lineup just crushed them. They turned a 10 point deficit into a 16 point lead by the time um, 
by by the time this not a 16 a six point lead by the time the starter some of the starting unit came out so that that was good to see that they can they can fail within a game and find a way to to flip the switch um you look at the the golden state game and one of the things that you had to be impressed with specifically in turning that switch was the way in which they played defense over the final two quarters in particular. The second quarter was was good, but really the final two quarters where they just eliminated Damian Lee um, from Golden State and, and just took away any easy opportunities that the Warriors had, particularly through the live ball turnovers. Uh, that was just a dramatic change in the Pelicans' defensive uh, approach. Absolutely. And one of the things that, that I noticed, it's people – people equate the Pelicans tried harder with the Pelicans focus their, their effort in, in a way that's successful. Right. Even, even when the Pelicans are struggling defensively, I don't think it's for lack of effort as much as it is lack of attention to detail. And when they lock in on the details of that and they defend to the scouting report a little bit, all of a sudden, all those slashing lanes that Golden State had in the first half closed up because everybody's a half step in, and and, and there you go. Then the, everything that Golden State was doing all of a sudden seizes up, and you get to see the fact the the lack of talent they had on the floor, and all they needed, all the Pelicans needed to do was just the attention to detail. It's not oh the team needs to run and dive on the floor and everything else right. you know just it's not it's not hoosiers that they need to do that, yeah i that's... think what, well i'm sorry yeah i don't want to step up but yeah i think you're exactly right um because damian lee all they did really was close the space in the first half he got space to shoot the basketball the threes were wide open he had two to three steps on his defender in the second half, they closed the space, and he had to shoot contested shots, and that's why he went two for six instead of, <laughs> you know, just dominating the way he did over the first quarter and a half, really. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's not people, – people don't understand how subtle this is, and you'll watch the range of emotions go from, well, Alvin brings them out flat. Well, he's not telling them to stay three feet off of the, the, the shooter. He's not telling them to be a, a step slow on the rotation. That's on the players. And when they focused and when they got their asses in gear, they performed much better. Absolutely. And, and, and one of the things you said was a step. So much of what goes on, people think is like they need to try harder and, and run faster and dive on the floor more. And so much of it is, no, it's, it's inches. It's a step. It's a half a step. If if you show just a half a step more, that, make that guy go make his cut a little wider, make his pick, you know, set that screen a little slower. That, like you said, it's all it changes the changes the timing of every play. Exactly, and and that's and that's what the Pelicans did against Golden State, and that's if if they want to get a win against the Lakers, they need to come out with that attention to detail from the tip. Yeah, let's 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 talk about the Lakers. But first, um, I want to do this. We get Zion Williamson, rightfully so. You know, has been um, a spark plug. The numbers uh, for this team as a catalyst, they they are off the charts. But there are two things that still concern me, and I want to address those before we get into the Lakers part. Um, number one is his rebounding rate, Out, outstanding on the offensive end. Defensive rebounding has not been great for him at any stretch since he came back. And then second, of, of course, is his free throw shooting. Um, 
down to 37.5% in these two games since the break. He's going to get a lot of free throw attempts down the stretch. Those two things, as much as we want to, again, we want to be excited for Zion, but at the same time, too, we have to be critical of him just like we would any other player. And those are two areas of immediate concern. Yeah, and I mean, I think we saw kind of the same thing with the free free throw free throw shooting at at the beginning when he first came back from the injury. He struggled a bit, and then he got into rhythm as the games went on, and the free throw shooting kind of picked up. And he's having the same miss issue generally that he did when he first came came back from the injury. Now, right after the All Star break, which is that he's missing short consistently. Now, a lot of times what he was doing in the first couple of games after the initial injury, he'd miss the first short and then the second would be would be pure. And what I saw, especially in the Golden State game, when he really struggled from the line in the first quarter, he was short, short, short. And then the defensive the defensive rebounding is one of yours and my biggest concerns, especially when you start to push towards more Zion at the center position when he doesn't have Derek favors to do all the lifting on the defensive glass, because you can't, you can't get out on the fast break and get buckets if you haven't secured the rebound and finished the possession. Yes, And that's, I mean, that's something that is, it's of a concern to me, but I think also the coaching staff and the game plan is pushing him towards leaking out more often and we'll just have to see this this game i mean it kind of flows into it this game would be a good barometer mm-hmm. for that because yes. you might see you, there there's a there's a good likelihood that i expect the pelicans game plan is going to be Derek favors is going to do a lot of the defending on anthony davis and zion is going to be on javel mcgee or dwight howard if he doesn't box those guys out they're going to feast on the offensive glass. That's going to happen. Yes. And when they do their small ball lineups and he's at center, which means he's probably guarding Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis for all of the weaknesses that we noticed throughout, throughout his career here in new Orleans, if nobody's going to box him out and the, uh, the next biggest guy on the court is going to be Nicolo Melli. And the next, the best rebounder the Pelicans have on the floor is actually Josh Hart that's giving Anthony Davis a lot of room to eat one and two, as we've seen in the first two games that the Pelicans played against the Lakers, the Lakers have come out with a game plan of let's get Anthony Davis's numbers. So that that's something of a big concern, especially to this matchup coming up. Gambling. It's not the most prevalent of topics at the family barbecue, but the truth is it can be quite fun. Picking a couple of friends to play some friendly wagers before a game can immediately raise the stakes and make your Sundays even more exhilarating. And that's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Football fans, you can even bet after kickoff. So if it looks like your bet is fading, just take the other side. If you like to bet a lot, try a parlay. You can multiply your winnings and brag to your friends as the money rolls in. But now is the best time to join because MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Yeah, because when you look at the Pelicans rotation of guys who in the previous two games, there's really only one Pelicans main rotation player who was effective over any significant stretch against the Lakers, and that's Derek Favors. 
And mm-hmm. he's going to have to be very, he's obviously, he's very important in this game for tomorrow. Um, Brandon Ingram did not do well in his first two games against his former team, shot the ball less than 30%. Uh, he really struggled to get free. I think he overtook uh, took too much of a burden. Lonzo Ball played in one of those games, was very good uh, statistically, but it was a game that the Pelicans did not play well in as a group. Uh, so you haven't had a whole bunch of team success against the, the, the Lakers, but the Pelicans were in the first game uh, at the Smoothie King Center when Anthony Davis made his return. That was a winnable game at home without a uh, fully healthy Derek Favors, without a fully healthy, without a Zion Williamson on the court, without an emerged Brandon Ingram at that point. So I think you, you, you look at this team today, you think it's a better matchup, but yes, I think there are those soft spots that do concern you about the team. Exactly. And I mean, just going to, I mean, the biggest thing is going to be Anthony Davis is going to want to get his numbers. LeBron James is going to want to try to feed him his numbers so he can have his Instagram post at the end of the game. And Anthony Davis doesn't create his own shot. And what better way for him to get going than to feast on the offensive glass because Zion Williamson's more worried about leaking out. And for as much as I love Josh Hart as a rebounder, if you're asking him to go and consistently get rebounds over and through Anthony Davis, that's, that's, that's a tall task for him with, I mean, the limitations he has physically. So that's, that's one of my big concerns. And then the other thing, the, the game that was close, the November game, when they came back to the Smoothie King center, if memory serves me right, Lonzo Baldwin playing that game, either the Pelicans were severely shorthanded at that, in that game, no Derek Favors and no Lonzo Ball. The the second game that they played in Los Angeles, and I think it's kind of been a theme for all of the games, the Lakers players, the former Lakers players on the Pelicans roster, especially Brandon Ingram, have really, really Josh Hart tried too, too hard. Josh was really, yeah. been really bad too. Yeah. But Josh Hart's been much better the past like 10 to 15 games. Yes. And I guess you, you would say your concern there is in order to kind of prove the organization wrong, are they going to try too hard in this game? Do they, I mean, clearly the fan base has this game circled, but do the former Lakers now Pelicans, do they have this so circled on their calendar, but they don't necessarily have the right, approach yet just because of where they're at in their career that they can you know have the kind of game that they're envisioning in their mind before they step on the floor to me the to me the thing is if you're going to play against the lakers there are two approaches now you either have to play super small ball which is what houston is going to try to do um and be able to and that means you're going to try to pick and roll the lakers and space them out to death that's not the pelicans that's not who they are um, and then you can no. either try to be big and active and force the Lakers into mistakes, which is what the Pelicans are going to have to try to do, particularly against the backcourt of the Lakers, which is not a particularly strong part of their offense. Um, Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball, to me, have to dominate their matchups, not maybe statistically, but in, in their impact, particularly on the defensive glass um, for Lonzo. I think they're going to have to get a couple of steals um, out on the perimeter and create fast break opportunities that way before the ball gets to LeBron, uh, those types of things. And then for Brandon Ingram, what I'm looking for him in this matchup is 
now that you have Zion on the offensive glass, now that you've worked more with favors defensively, do they try to get Ingram some more of those touches on the, on the, in the post and create free throw opportunities for him? Or are they going to isolate him and have him try to create on his own to get rhythm? I'd like to see them put Brandon in positions where he's getting to the line early. The, one of the things that the Pelicans, they run these kind of sets infrequently. And I, I don't know if it's a, a called play where they're going to run a, usually it's a, either a Zion or a Derek favors pick and roll. And either of them are going to roll towards Brandon Ingram's side while Brandon Ingram's in the corner. And then after they get low, Brandon Ingram's going to come around on like a circle cut. And they've been getting him that ball around the elbow area, but with momentum towards the basket infrequently. I think that would be an area that they, they should try to attack more so that he's catching the ball on the move rather than just catching the ball with some space, but stationary to, you know, go to work against an individual defender. And then another thing that's going to be fascinating to me about this game is there's going to be a lot of cross matches because the Pelicans, the Pelicans are going to want to have, I, I suspect that you're going to see a lot of Drew Holiday and then Josh Hart on LeBron James, but the Lakers aren't going to want LeBron James exerting that kind of effort on Drew Holiday. They'll they'll find someplace else to hide him, and then simultaneously, what are they going to do, big man, matchup wise? Who's going to guard who on one end versus the other, um, and how those? The thing with those cross matches is you get a lot of confusion. In, in transition and even af- after made baskets, depending on, you know, how the, f- the court is arranged after the ball goes through. And in those kind of situations, you can get a lot of mismatches where maybe Zion's on the low block against a Contavious Caldwell Pope or something, just because of all of the different cross matches and how we're trying to protect LeBron James and not give him a hard defensive matchup all game long. So that's going to be a fascinating thing to me. Um, Someone that folks may think I'm trying to beat up on, but is going to be valuable in some way or not tomorrow um, is Jackson Hayes. His, his length, again, you want, you're going to need minutes from him uh, and you're going to need him to help keeps with the Lakers go to a all big lineup. He's going to probably be called on to give five to seven quality minutes. He has not been able to do that as of late. Um, do you think the Pelicans can count on him tomorrow to have one of his good nights? Um, against this lineup, it's not, it's not a good matchup for Jackson Hayes. It just, it's the thing is, is that, I mean, we were talking about Zion Williamson and his lack of contributions on the defensive glass, Jackson Hayes, when a shot goes up, he just turns and looks at the ball and then expects to out athlete everybody to go get it. Just, just largely, and that's a big problem for the units that he's usually on, which are usually smaller with at least one minus rebounder in J.J. Redick, if not two, with either Drew Holiday or Etuan Moore on the floor. And when your big man's first response to a shot going up is just to turn and watch and not find a body when he's going to have Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, possibly two of those three on the floor at the same time, you're going to give up a lot of offensive rebounds. And then his penchant for trying to block every single shot that's taken 
I mean, those guys are guys that get to the foul line a lot as well. So I don't feel like this is a very good matchup for him. This might be a game where we see some Jaleel um, Okafor just because he's a wider body and maybe you can motivate him properly to, hey, go box out, you know, keep keep Dwight Howard off the glass and don't foul everything in sight for five minutes. And then also on the other end, he could at least maybe draw a foul or two, uh, you know, and contribute in that regard. But the yeah, the thing about Jackson is, like you said, in Jackson is picking up fouls at just this incredible rate. He's not rebounding. He hasn't had a single rebound in his two appearances, and they've been brief. But it's almost ten minutes of play, not a single rebound. You think at his ability, something's just fall into his hands. So it's just it's really disappointing. But in his stead, Nico Melli has looked so much better, so much more active, so much more confident to the point that he is openly talking about, I should have taken more shots. How, how good is it to see Nico Melli growing into a consistent role at this time in the season? It's, it's, it's everything I hoped it was going to be in the summer when I was telling everybody that Nico Melli is going to be the third big in this rotation. Um, I, you know, there was, there was a period of time there after the hot start in the Toronto game where he looked a little lost and a lot slow. And like what we talk about with the big man defense with Zion and Hayes and how there's so much more to learn. You can see that Nico Melli has been playing a whole lot more professional basketball because he's learning much faster. And despite the fact he hasn't gotten any, you know, quicker on his feet, and he's not ter- he's not a terribly long or big big man. So much of big man defense is just having your feet and your body in the right spot and having your hands up and just making the shot more difficult than it would have been if you weren't there. You don't have to block every shot to be a, a quality defender at, as a big man. And I'm not saying that you know he's like a defensive like savant no, or something. But he's holding his own right now. Exactly. So much of defense is just be in the be in the right spot with your hands up and don't foul everything. And then when the shot goes up, even if you don't rebound the ball yourself, get your ass on somebody else, another big man that's a you know a threat to get the rebound. So Josh Hart or Drew Holiday or somebody else can swoop in and get the rebound. And I mean, that's everything outside of the shooting. The shooting is incredible. The shooting, one of the things that he really creates as a big man is he shoots those Ryan Anderson threes that the Pelicans used to have um, with the Anthony Davis lineup. He doesn't just shoot three-pointers. He shoots 30-footers. Like he takes a step or two beyond the arc, and that pulls the – it either makes it so that he's shooting very open shots more frequently or he's pulling his defender even further out of the lane than just lining up with your toes right on the three-point line would do. And just keep shooting because they keep going in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's shooting, what, something like uh, seven threes a game right now. So, I mean, he's he's been unafraid, and that's the biggest thing for him. Um, we have not spent much time talking about this guy, and we really should. Well, we've kind of, because we've mentioned him, mentioned him in relation to everyone else, but he deserves his own moment to, to shine. And that's Josh Hart averaging a double-double off the bench as a guard, um, shooting the ball from, well uh, from three, uh, getting to the line, doing it defensively. Josh Hart is just, 
he's invaluable as a reserve at this point. When he checks into the game, he puts his fingerprints all over it, even when he's not racking up stats. That's 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 the biggest thing to me. Like he might he might not get a whole bunch of rebounds initially, but he's always there and he's like he's tapping it to a uh, an opponent, uh, uh, another teammate, or he's boxing somebody out so somebody else can get the rebound. And then later on in the game, he skies through and he grabs a rebound through the trees and then pushes it up the floor. Um, He's getting to the line, it feels like, at a pretty extreme rate for his relative usage. He's been shooting well behind the arc, Um, not necessarily lighting it up, but he's, he's shooting well enough behind the arc. But the thing that I love about him is all the little stuff he does. And the thing is, is that the Pelicans right now treat Josh Hart as their second perimeter defender like drew holiday will do the heavy lifting and then josh hart will you've seen josh hart log substantial minutes guarding james harden you've seen him log minutes guarding chris paul at times he pulls the the difficult assignments and that's for somebody that's your sixth or seventh man to be able to do all the things that he does is it it is it like you said it's so invaluable because he fills in so many gaps this team needs in one player like so much of what the pelicans do with zion in terms of leaking out is facilitated by the fact that josh hart rebounds like a power forward even though he's playing shooting guard at the time if josh hart were 2 inches taller he'd be worth 17 to 18 million dollars a season oh absolutely you know what i'm saying absolutely. if it were those 2 inches at all that he can do, he'd, he'd, he'd be just – the Pelicans couldn't afford him if he were two inches taller. So it's like, to me, you, you, you have gotten – you found – I think Josh Hart is the hidden gold in all of this. I think people are going to continue to make this about it's, – it's always going to be about Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, first and foremost, the, this trade. That's what it's always going to be about because that's the – if the Pelicans don't get Zion Williamson, I don't think that they make the trade with the Lakers – they're not in the same position, but it's always going to come down to those two guys first. And then Lonzo, of course, because of wherever Lonzo ends up historically. But Josh Hart is the hidden gold of this whole process for the Pelicans. What they got as, is a professional basketball player, and they need as many of those as they can get. Yes. I'm short and sweet, yes. I completely agree. <laughs> and, and that's the thing for these kids. For the Jackson Hayes, for Zion Williamson, for Brandon Ayer, all these the young guys all have to learn how to be professionals. And that's what's going to separate them no matter what their level of talent and outcome is. And I think what they're going to learn tomorrow is one of those lessons in what it takes to be a professional. You're in a playoff run. You've got to win, like you said, two out of three basically the rest of the way. And Tomorrow they will be playing against a professional basketball team that knows, that has enough components on it, that know what it takes to make the postseason, that will be at home, coming off the heels of a Monday that they, they had a celebration for Kobe Bryant. They've, that, that whole thing is the emotion of all those things, to not fail to perform again like the way that they kind of viewed that they did on the night of the first game back for them. All those things will be on full display, all those emotions. And that's what this game is about, is who's going to do their job as a professional for 48 minutes. And you can depend on the fact that 
you can depend that Josh Hart is going to be able to do that. But the nice thing that I I love about Zion Williamson, even though we we pick the nits that need to be picked on him, is he's the man. Like there's there's no question about it on the team in the locker room. It seems like already very early on how they're running the offense and getting him touches and touches and touches on top of touches. He, he is the man in a way that the Pelicans haven't had since Chris Paul was in, was in a, was in a new Orleans Jersey. And that matters so much, especially at his age, he is wise and just socially intelligent far far beyond his years when you see him talking to the media when you see him talking to um you know jen hale or another sideline reporter after the game the pelicans they they have their alpha already and they don't need to wonder if he's ready or willing to lead yeah and so those those two and that's the thing, like, it's it's nice to have somebody like a Josh Hart on your team that comes off the bench and is a consummate professional and does things the right way and puts forth the effort when the team isn't necessarily playing well. You can put him in to kind of change the flavor of the team. But, man, Zion Williamson is incredible, not just the numbers, not just the highlights. There's so much else that's going on behind this the clips that you see on Twitter and stuff like that, that he's doing and he does for the franchise that it's hard to put a dollar or a value amount on it, but it's so sorely needed for this franchise. Yeah. I mean, I was, and I've said, I said this on my show last week and I was like, I was so happy that Zion got the hell out of Chicago as soon as the rookie game was over. He didn't really, you could see it like, the the whole performance for him of like them going dunk it dunk it you know and doing all that stuff he wasn't there for that he was doing it because that's what people expected of him and then he got out of there he went to go watch Duke play and he was ready to get back to playing and so you know the, his his whole thing is I want to I want to go to the playoffs that's what I want to do I want to go to the playoffs and that focus is easy to lose in when you're getting the attention that he's getting when you're getting the praise that he's getting and I think that he has been critical of himself. I think just, you know, and I think he's been embracing the fact that he is not perfect. I think he's embracing the fact that this is a struggle. And while it looks easy to us, I think he's understanding that it's not as easy as it looks to him. That all of that is apparent. And I think that's what lends into what you're saying is that when you find somebody who gets that, I think when you saw that out of Chris Paul, exactly a great comparison is that Chris knew, even though he was a dominant force as a rookie, and he shouldn't have been as smart as he was. He knew how far he had to go to get his, to get to be what he wanted to be as a ball player. And having that in place out of your youngest guy, yes, that is a gift that the Pelicans have. And then to have other guys like a Brandon Ingram who want to be in the fight and a Josh Hart who you know what you're going to get from him is also the fight but skill with it. You know, not like as much as I love Kenrich Williams, Kenrich does not have the skill to match the, the desire. Josh Hart has yeah. the skill and the desire. And and the thing is, I mean, to try to, I don't know, to quantify what it is about Zion, he's simply not satisfied. Yeah, he's he not satisfied it. with, he's not satisfied with where he's at. He's not satisfied with where the team's at in the standings. He wants to be in the playoffs. 
and he understands that the stardom and all the rest of that is he, he earns the stardom and all the rest that's going around that because of the work ethic, because of the fact that he refuses to be satisfied. And I don't know, maybe it's, you know, him signing with Jordan brand and whatever Michael Jordan's whispering into his ears or just what he's watched about. I mean, when you, when you hear him talk about how he learned about the game and the, the, the veterans that he watched and how he watched, I watched the whole game and don't just watch the highlights and stuff like that. He's embracing the fact that this is hard and I'm going to win at it. And I know that it's going to take a lot of effort and just want to and failure in order to get there. And, you know, the, the guy in Los Angeles really wanted to be a star and that was it. That there's nothing left to be said after that. Let's answer these quick questions from uh, some of our listeners, and um, and we'll wrap this one up. First, from Big Greasy, um, we've addressed his issues about um, Melly's defense. We talked about that, but this one is an interesting question that, that I'll let you answer really quickly. Also, with Demarcus Cousins being let go, do you see a fit with him as a backup with the Pelicans? He knows the offense and is on a cheap price. No, no, and and I would just you would be- never. It, it, Alvin Gentry would never. I don't care what they. He would never allow Demarcus back in the locker room. It would never. Happen. Not, not, not. You you don't want to have somebody in the locker room who still wants to take charge because it's Zion's locker room now. Anybody and, and that you DeMarcus bring in, absolutely believes that he can still be an All Star, and that's his right to believe that. He needs if that's what he if he's ever going to get back to anything, that's the way he has to view it. We yeah. can go do that in like Cleveland or something. Yes. <laughs> figure that out somewhere else. Don't figure that out in New Orleans. Okay. Um, do you think there are any tweaks that need to be made to the inter- rotations? This is from Wakanda, Wakanda, Wakanda. I mean, Waka, Waka, Wakanda. Excuse me, my brother. Um, <laughs> but is it a thing? If this fit ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm um, that mindset. I, I do. I, I like the idea of, hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, what Gentry's doing at the beginning of the second and the fourth quarters is making it difficult for him to get back to the starters. You're right. The starters do not play enough minutes together. Yes. And they're um, not at the right times. That to in my opinion, they don't they're not always at the right times. I would like to see that group together at different stretches and for longer stretches. Because the the biggest thing is is that the, especially at the beginning of the fourth, he gets this long run of Lonzo and Zion, and then usually it's Melly and Hart, and then you might see some Etoan Moore, some JJ Redick, depending. But they're he's not comfortable enough yet with Zion to say, Zion, you're going to play all 12 in the fourth, pretty much is what's happening. And he's not terribly comfortable with having Lonzo play all 12 in the fourth. So he's not getting back to the starting lineup. And then the other part of that is, and I, I love what Gentry's done with the team over the past two months, but I can still use more Derek favors at the end of the fourth quarter, because I think, I think screens, I think screens and proper positioning on defense and defensive rebounding are valuable things when the clock's running down. Yes. And particularly for playoff basketball, that's what it is, is ending. Like you said, early in this podcast, ending possessions is so critical. And Derek favors, 
ends possessions about as well as any big man in the NBA. I think the last uh, the last time I looked at the numbers, he's he's rebounding like thirty percent of the available defensive rebounds. Yes, it's it's a ridiculous number. It's it's he's in like I think the only other two bigs in his class are Gobert and I think um, Bam Adebayo are like the only two who are rebounding like he is this season. It's cr- he's putting up crazy numbers. And if he had been healthy, it just that's the one that freaks me out the most. And I hate yeah. I'll do it every every time if you let me, but. It just bothers me so much as I'm, people still don't understand because you see people in our timeline every week saying we can do better than Der- Derek Favors. Oh man, and, and it's every not even week. if he was if he if he was healthy, man. If you know if you know his mother doesn't pass away, how much sooner does he get back and get you know right with basketball to yep. be ready to go? It's just, but yeah, you you and I are completely on the Derek Favors fan train, so. And it's just I, I don't understand. This is this is what part of the process is, and it, it's, it's exasperating. But it's also it means you have, as part of doing this, is it has a purpose, and it is to show people the subtlety of that greatness, and that when you build a team, you're just not looking to. It's not you're not trying to get diamond this and pink, you know, whatever sapphire that. It's just you're putting together basketball players, competent you know talented basketball players and Derek Favors is that and your team needs players like that that's why Josh Hart is of such value that's why JJ Redick is of such value is because when you put them on the court they have a job to do and they are capable of doing it and they do it more often than not and you can't say that about most people who are starting in the NBA yeah I mean before before the season started you and I, I think we're both just stomping up and down that the Pelicans need to play their five best guys, which is their starting lineup right now. Yes. And we need to see enough Derek Favors. That lineup right now is posting an incredible plus 24 net rating, which is just smashing opponents. And as expected, they're posting a defensive um, rating. I think it was 929 which is beyond incredible uh, uh, for a five-man unit. And they've only played 120 minutes so far. And I hope that we see, I mean, Gentry's playing them about six minutes at the beginning of the first and six minutes at the beginning of the third. I'd really like him to try to squeeze out the last four minutes of the fourth as a relatively consistent portion of the rotation. That would be the only tweak that I would make. All right. That's all of the questions that we have. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's game. You're looking forward to tomorrow's game. Pelicans fans worldwide are looking forward to tomorrow's game. But most importantly, it is not a referendum on the Pelicans' playoff chances. They still have a great schedule the rest of the way. Um, They still have a lot of opportunities, but we would like to see um, them win, of course. Um, Fish, you got anything you want to add before we jump out? Oh, just on that, when you look at the Pelicans' schedule and what's coming up, yes, the, the any of the predictors and the models and things like that that say the Pelicans right now actually are the favorites to make the eight seed of, you know, Portland, Memphis, and San Antonio. Um, there's, they're still predicting that the Pelicans are going to lose somewhere between, you know, eight and 12 games over the next two months. And this game right here is probably at the very top of the probable losses. So if the Pelicans lose tomorrow night, it is not the end of the playoff hopes at all. No. And I, and I, got, I tweeted this today. It's like, you look at the rest of the schedule, 
And yeah, they have a losing record. They're 10 and 14 against the teams left on their schedule. But most of those losses come from this very small group of teams, the Lakers, the Clippers, um, Dallas, you know, that type of group. And they're about to wrap up with all of those teams. Three of their toughest games come within the next nine days. So yeah. it's like <laughs> the Pelicans schedule is about to get precipitously easier. Um, yeah, I, I made a list of like nine of their like difficult games, the games that are second nights of the back of the back, and then opponents like the Lakers two times, the Clippers, the Mavericks and stuff like that. And I said, can the Pelicans just go like four and five over those nine? Because if they go four and five over those nine and then they go 12 and two or something over the rest of them, you're looking at 42 wins. And I don't think I don't think that Memphis or Portland or San Antonio is getting to 41 or 42 wins. I think right around 40 is is the cutoff. Yeah, because so, with Portland's with with Lillard being hurt, you know, dramatically changes them. Memphis is starting to fall backward. I mean, they're staying and running in place essentially. And I think San Antonio is running out of gas. So yeah, with the schedule, absolutely. it's there. It's 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 there. It's there for them to take. And that's but, what we'll see what they'll, if they'll do it or not. It's there for you to take. You either take it or don't. And yeah. we'll judge the outcome as it comes. Mm -hmm. So for David Fisher and myself, David Grubb, thank you all for listening. And in the meantime, let's go Pels. For listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today